0: Welcome to the new Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. Over the next half hour, Two Docs in a Pod will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Tamika Perry and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. And now, here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Tamika Perry.
1: Well, good afternoon and welcome. To Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry. Dr. Perry is a physician at the WellMed at Redford Square Clinic in Dallas. She completed her master's degree at the University of North Texas Health Science Center in Fort Worth, earned her medical degree at Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine in Philadelphia. She's board certified in family medicine by the American Osteopathic Board of Family Medicine, and she is one of our two new co-hosts for Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. And we're going to talk in just a moment about a a subject that I know, Dr. Perry, uh, you see very often in your practice, survivors of breast cancer, something that uh, you're quite familiar with.
2: Absolutely. So we have several breast cancer survivors in this practice, as in any other practice. And I think one of the keys to breast cancer survival is early detection, is early detection. So.
1: And in your population of patients, predominantly 65 and over, uh, is there a risk for an incidence of breast cancer in older women?
2: Absolutely. So breast cancer screening typically starts at 40, unless you have risk factors for breast cancer, like a family history, We'll, we'll start a little earlier. And we do breast cancer screening, preferably every one year, every one to two years, but we prefer every year. Now, um, the reason we start at this age group is because we want to capture as many as possible. And yes, there is an increase in the incidence of breast cancer as we progress in age. But just because we're a younger lady doesn't mean we should ignore signs and symptoms. And it's important that all ladies do a monthly self-breast exam. It is so important. Many, and many masses are found by the patient themselves, because if you're doing a monthly self-breast exam, you do 12 a year, why do one a year on your physical exam?
1: We're going to welcome our two guests today. Uh, Dr. Jamie Heisman uh, is with us. He's co-host also of a program called Take 10. Dr. Jamie is Chief Compassion Officer for WellMed. He is an author, a national presenter, and he's appeared literally on hundreds of television and radio shows. Jamie Heisman is a fierce advocate for family caregivers, patients, employees, and more. He is a nationally known psychotherapist, an expert on Not only caregiving, but addictions as well. And we're joined by Dr. Cheryl Winchell. She's a physician at WellMed at Sebastian in Sebastian, Florida, earned her medical degree from Nova Southeastern University in Fort Lauderdale, completed her residency in family medicine at Palmetto General Hospital at Nova Southeastern University in Hialeah, Florida. And she is board certified in family medicine. And to both of you, we thank you so much for coming on. Let's start with Dr. Winchell because We had you on several years ago, and we're delighted to have you back. And and you talked about your own experience being diagnosed with breast cancer. Can you take us through that?
3: Yes, sure. And it is, you know, a bit of an atypical presentation. And I'm so glad to hear Dr. Perry bring up the recommendation of self surveillance and uh, self breast exams. That's something that, you know, kind of several years ago, we started to hear perhaps recommendations of women not paying attention as much to the self-breast exams, but definitely my encouragement all these years, you know, before, after, and, you know, forevermore will be for you to pay attention to your, your own breasts. You know, like she was saying, you do it once a month, you know, don't manipulate too much. If you find something, please let us know. And that's actually how mine was discovered is I was 27. So, you know, quite young and a very atypical presentation with not only, quite large growing mass um, but also a lot of pain which we do also hear you know previous to you know this conversation hopefully today you never think about it after this but you know pain sometime doesn't necessarily mean cancer and that you know never is true because there's always atypical presentations so i was diagnosed you know once again kind of an atypical situation, didn't go through, you know, the normal mammogram screening that captured it. But once again, it's that encouragement of getting your mammogram every year, no matter what, and catching it as early as you can. I did end up having mastectomy and chemotherapy for six months. Um, Part of my decision in treatment was, you know, I was young and wanted to have reconstruction. Sometimes radiation is an opportunity or, you know, an, an option for adjuvant care. You know depending upon diagnosis and treatment reconstruction for me was important being young very active um, and with radiation sometimes that can be a factor in, you know that that post-care uh, reconstruction things like that so you know there's lots of reasons to decide on how your treatment is going to progress um, but there's so many people out there the options are you know sometimes almost endless um, And the support that we have in the technology now is just really incredible.
1: Now, I want to bring you back in just a moment to when you found that lump. But for those of you who have just joined us, you're listening to Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry. Dr. Jamie Heisman is with us, a nationally known psychotherapist. And we're talking with Dr. Cheryl Winchell, talking about her own experience. And and Cheryl, uh, you gave us the clinical version of of that process uh, following uh, your discovery of a lump, tell us about the real emotional ups and downs that you may have gone through. When you found that
3: lump, what were you thinking? Well, it was interesting. I had it for, you know, some time, I'd say probably at least several weeks, if not longer. I was, I do exercise quite a lot. And so I had talked to one of the physicians that I was working with regularly. And she kind of said to me, you know, oh, it's painful. And you do too much exercise, stop lifting those weights and, you know, doing all those crazy 5k runs and things like that. And so the process of finding out about it was prolonged. And then the recommendation initially was really because of my age and what it looked like on ultrasound, that it was most likely benign. So they took me to the operating room, removed the mask because it was quite large. And I actually went back to work the next day. And sadly, the pathology report was faxed because we did have facsimile at that time. I don't know if people are, if everyone uh, Uh, who's listening knows about facsimile or maybe a computer fax. Um, And it came over by paper and my attending physician actually grabbed it off the fax, handed it to me. And so that initial awareness of cancer was, you know, of course stopped me in my tracks. I probably had a couple minutes that I don't even know if I remember exactly what happened, but I know I went home and then thought, okay, what am I going to do here? Right. Made a couple appointments with specialist, the surgeon followed up with him and, and had that appointment probably already set anyway. Um, But just then, you know, thought, how do I get myself together? Um, You know, I was, like I said, very active, I did not want to lose my position or standing with my residency. And so thinking about all of those things and how I was gonna, you know, work that process out, I had a dog that I had to take care of and get to work and all these things. And, Um, We will talk to Dr. Jamie throughout this conversation today, but one thing that I think I didn't do well enough was breathe. I kind of just, you know, kept pushing through and pushing through. And then something else that, you know, having had this conversation a couple of times, you know, over the years and sharing my experiences with other patients for sure, is always making sure that you just stop, kind of focus, you know, calm down, take some breaths, and then In the process of finding your next steps in your treatment, it's also really reaching out to the people that you're comfortable with and trust and getting those people around you and reaching out, asking for that help, that support and knowing that those people are there for you, because that was a mistake that I made that I didn't have those people uh, around me well enough because I didn't want to share it with anybody. This was my deal, and I was strong, and I was not going to get stopped in my tracks, and I was going to push through this thing. and And so that was a mistake that I made, you know, looking back as time goes by. But yeah, it was very scary. Um, but going through it, imp- you know, like I said, I make, made mistakes. I worked too hard. Uh-huh.
1: How do you think that impacted you uh, by not reaching out, not sharing, not talking to anybody?
3: I became very weak. During my chemotherapy treatments, I didn't, I was, you know, sleeping as much as I could. So didn't go to the grocery store, probably ate, you know, junky foods and things like that. And so once I really realized that I should start asking for help, I had a really amazing neighbor that was, you know, nutritionally sound and she started making great meals for me and she said, all you had to do was ask. And so nutrition was so important. Sleep was so important, stress management, all of that.
2: So you know you make a you make a valid point um, when you talk about caretaking, care, um, people allowing people to take care of you. Sometimes it's hard for us as physicians, right? We're these alpha people, males or females, and we we can do it all. We're super people, but everyone needs help. And most certainly, we're glad that you reached out and thank God for great neighbors, right? Um, you, know, you, just, you are like the um, ideal, the resident, right? Super go getter, and you ran these marathons, so you were in great shape. You're still in great shape, but you still got breast cancer. And some people might say, "Well, look, she worked out." That's because one of the things Ron and I will probably ask you about prevention for breast cancer, and she still got it. You know, she was in super good shape, but your outcome may not have been as well, and your presentation may have been worse if you hadn't been in such good
3: shape. You know, so I agree completely, and that's something that we really strongly encourage. You know, you and I, we do this all day, as does Dr. Jamie, you know, just, you know, physical health, emotional health, mental health, all of these things are so important so that you can survive through the travesties of life that are going to come your way. So,
1: Dr. Jamie, talk to us about how the psychological side can impact your recovery.
4: I'd be happy to, Ron. I think the listener now is getting a wonderful, wonderful perspective on on this issue of fear, false evidence appearing real, anxiety, stress, and really in waiting and thinking that we're superhuman and that we're not human beings and we're simply human doings, uh, what can happen when we do? I can tell you now that Dr. Winchell, who I deeply thank for being vulnerable and talking about her story and helping so many um, has a true, true lesson here for all of us to hear as Dr. Perry does as well. And that is, listen, I'm an interventionist, right? That means people call me up to come in the middle of things, right? Put people in treatment, help them in the middle of their addiction. God forbid when somebody dies, I have to do grief work, suicide. You can say they bring me in to basically clean up after the elephants in life. And so why does one need to do that? We're at WellMed dealing with prevention as our number one way, not intervention. So when you actually understand that you can be master of your own self, you can take care of your mind, your body, your spirit, you can take your oxygen first, as my first book I wrote says, then you can actually prevent the sort of decompensation that Dr. Winchell's talking about. There is no need to go into the war zone of the medical world, you know, in in terms of being sick and and hurt. If you really realize that this is about you, how to waylay the fear, how to waylay the stress and anxiety is by taking care of you, focusing on yourself first. And we'll get into that throughout the show. And we're going to come right back to Dr. Winchell in a moment. If you've just joined us,
1: you're listening to Two Docs in a Pod presented by WellMed. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host. Dr. Tamika Perry. We're talking as well with Dr. Cheryl Winchell, not only a physician, a primary care physician down in Sebastian, Florida, uh, but also a breast cancer survivor, and we're hearing her story. And Dr. Jamie Heisman is with us, a nationally known psychotherapist and expert on addictions and caregiving as well. You're listening to Two Docs in a Pod. Well, thank you so much for being with us right here on Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry. And we're talking on our Two Docs in a Pod hotline with Dr. Jamie Heisman, nationally known psychotherapist, and Dr. Cheryl Winchell. She is a WellMed physician in Sebastian, Florida. We're talking about her experience as a breast cancer survivor. And Dr. Winchell, you've been open and honest enough to share with us your own experience. Talk to us now about that recovery period and when you finally reached a point where you were back to being Cheryl.
3: Well, yeah, and honestly, I don't think anyone who goes through something, you know, traumatic like a cancer diagnosis ever returns to where they were, but although, you know, every step forward that we take every moment of every day makes us a different person, but it was really interesting, you know, the experiences that I've had, You know, because of the chemotherapy that, you know, I decided on for treatment, I had, you know, repercussions of that, was unable to get pregnant, but have the two most amazing children that we were very blessed to be able to adopt. And so, you know, it's making that lemonade out of lemons and having this, you know, wonderful, wonderful experience in my life that would have probably not happened if I wouldn't have had that diagnosis. Um, But beyond that, it was really just kind of taking it all in. I learned meditation during that time. I wasn't sleeping well, very stressed out. And I had a really amazing friend, um, actually, uh, the mother of one of my very best friends who would call me every night and do a type of meditation with me on the phone. And I always said, Oh, this isn't going to work for me. You know, of course, you know, like she was saying, uh, the alpha dogs, right? So no way am I going to calm down, I'm too keyed up. And I would wake up. And that was at the time, once again, when we had phones that had the long Little curly uh, cable attached to them, and I would wake <laughs> yeah. up in the phone. cord. Disconnected because she would have hung up and I fell asleep. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, learning about who you are, the situation of your life. Um, you know, I probably, like I said, I, I did a lot of things wrong, but I don't think we ever do anything completely right. And it was learning from my experiences. And then just knowing too that. For me to be able to get through just that, you know, the original diagnosis, the chemotherapy treatment, the five years of the oral medication that was, you know, kind of wreaked havoc on my body, but um, you know, I needed to do and I continued and followed through with during the entire treatment plan. And then, you know, the pain that I experience after. And I do share that really openly because you're not going to go through anything that's gonna be easy, especially the stuff that you know is you know bound to be hard. And so you know, I learned that I have to stretch, I learned that I have to eat well, you know, once again, sleep is a big deal for me, I, I'm, not, I'm a poor sleeper, but I have realized that it's really important. And, you know, managing your health and lifestyle, and once again, preventing everything else, I have to make sure that I get my colon cancer screening, because colon cancer and breast cancer have, you know, slight glandular, you know, possibility of increased risk. And so making sure that I focus on the people that support me, stress management, nutrition. Um, but yeah, fear was real. And now, when I get my mammograms, I will tell you it it takes me time to drive to the mammogram facility because I'm scared every single time I have to have some type of medical, um, yeah. you know, process, diagnostic imaging. Yes. Or if I don't feel good, I always think back to my cancer diagnosis, and that part, you know, is real and it will be with me forevermore.
1: And that's no different than any other patient right yeah
4: and and that's what i want to point out to you and dr perry and dr winchell here is that their strategies ron and dr perry and dr winchell you know everybody's scared i'm scared if you have a chronic terminal or acute illness your whole world is thrown upside down the the feng shui right the balance of your life now your mortality hits of course if your caregivers or support system isn't strong you're even more scared right but there's ways to deal with it. And what Dr. Winchell's describing is if I was a listener and I was going to go get screened, which is a no brainer at this point, after you hear, you can actually be master of your fate and you don't have to you know, suffer in this way. Then I would say, listen, just like Dr. Winchell said, breathe. First thing is develop breathing techniques when you're starting to feel fearful, like 478. And anybody can go to the YouTube and put 478 and Dr. Weil will come out and he'll show you how powerful that is. Or go through 54321, which is breathwork we do at well med, which brings you into the current space. That's an emotional regulating technique. At the same time, I'd reach out to your best friend, somebody you feel safe with, somebody who meets you halfway, and ask them to accompany you. To the doctor's office. Ask them to be there with you in the waiting room before they bring you in for screening because there's nothing like social regulation with being with a healthy person who has your back, who doesn't control you. And that's really the key to life is emotional self-regulation is social. So make your own strategy work when you hear things like this, especially for screening, you can really do it. And you don't have to rest into fear, anxiety, and stress. You can actually, you know, ground yourself.
1: And Dr. Carrie, when you think about what Dr. Jamie is talking about, do you get into the mental health aspect of uh, your patient's needs?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, if we go back to screening, a lot of my patients give me a lot of pushback for screening because it's simply they're afraid. They're, they're afraid. Heck, they're afraid to come to my office because they think I'm going to deliver them some bad news. So they're most certainly afraid to go to a screening where we're screening for cancer. So um you know, I was Doctor husband just brought it all into play when he he talked about this, these mental activities we can do to kind of calm ourselves down. I recommend my patients like if they have a buddy or another senior, schedule them on the same day, y'all go together, then have lunch afterwards. You know, so you have your support systems there. You know, I I, re- I recommend that on. a on a regular and complete basis, you know, my own mother, and she's not going to kill me for saying this, but I have to really like kick and scream to get her to do certain screenings because some of it is just fear. You know, she'll give me every excuse under the sun well, to make those mammograms hurt. I'm like, well, mom, cancer really hurts. You know what I mean? Like, so, no, so, so, you know, but, and that's my own mother. And, and two of her daughters were physicians. So fear is very real, but there are things that we need to get, to get over this.
4: All
1: right, Jamie, you're tickled by that. Go ahead, Jamie. I am.
4: She feels so because Dr. Perry's got such great energy. And I know her mother feels like she's regulating with her, her nervous system. So she'll hear her. She'll trust her. Remember, trust to reach ultimate success together. It's the person that you trust is the person that's gonna go on the journey with you. In the beginning with the screening, if like Dr. Winchell, as she's you know going through the treatment process, it's the person that you trust. Understand that we really, really are masters of our own faith here. You know, Ron, remember when I started the Lisa Gibbons Memory Foundation around the country and we had all our patients who were scared to death, like Lisa was scared to death of going getting a memory screening because, oh, I got Alzheimer's, no, I got Parkinson's, no, Louis body, I'm scared, I don't need this diagnosis. Well, guess what? Most of the time it was somebody had some traumatic event. Somebody had depression. Somebody had stress, anxiety, fear, false evidence appearing real is what scared them. They started talking to themselves, became the chief executioner in their minds. And they went down that rabbit hole. So you don't have to. The best thing you can do is have that trust with a Dr. Perry or Dr. Winchell and then go in there and get screened because chances are the horribles you're creating in your head are not what you're going to hear from your physician after you do the test.
3: And one thing I do want to bring up is with WellMed, um, I'm sure other places have this opportunity as well, but we have a mammogram bus. And so now what we're doing is making these screenings so much more accessible. I'm in a pretty small town in Florida. I mean, it's not super small, but kind of small. And we even have the mammogram bus come to our office. They park in the back parking lot and it's very safe. You know, with the COVID pandemic, everybody kind of wants to avoid medical places anyway. And so they have, you know, very limited people, only a few staff, I think maybe two at the most. And one person's in the bus and one person is either in the waiting area or even standing outside. And that has been a tremendous resource for us. And it really, really helps ease that access. And we just make the appointments for our patients. And we say, okay, you're due for your mammogram. They'll be in the back parking lot, you know, in two weeks, you have an appointment at 10 o'clock, here you go, and you're on your way. And so that has been really an amazing process for us. And just, you know, as healthcare workers and doctors and, you know, psychologists and, and all of our whole team of staff that works with us on a regular basis, just encourages and encourages every day. And, you get it done the sooner the better and and you're on your way to healing quicker if needed
1: now i think there's some confusion still about uh when someone should get a mammogram whether they're needed whether they're not there's been all kinds of uh, coverage on that issue where are we now what is recommended
3: so like dr perry was saying 40 years and up is now current recommendation um i just like her recommend that people go every single year you know, sometimes the mammogram is abnormal and they have to do a follow-up compression or ultrasound, but really at this point, 40 years old, get it every year. Unless of course there's other, you know, situations that would perhaps make that um, somewhat sooner or I mean, earlier.
2: Degrees of abnormalities on the mammogram. So I like to kind of pre-empt my patients and tell them just because it's abnormal, we're not necessarily looking at cancer. You can have very dense breasts. And the mammogram just doesn't see through the density of the breast. I used to tell my senior patients, you have young breasts. Yay.
4: <laughs> you know, <laughs> the
2: mammogram just didn't look all the way, couldn't look all the way through them. So we have to do another one. We need a better look. And sometimes that happens. Um, and so, so, you know, just because you get an abnormal mammogram and we need a second look, it isn't necessarily time for that. Like we said, that, that false evidence appearing real to creep in that sphere to creep in. You you know, know i'm, Perry, I, I, I'm no, stuck I'm sorry, thinking ron.
1: about when dr winchell said that her diagnosis came on a fax machine uh, how impersonal is that i'm assuming we've gotten better in delivering the news now
4: ron i know at well med um we are looking at now bring compassion and humanity back into the medical system i think covid and certainly our visionary dr george rapier came together to realize that healthcare really was dissipating and with the compassion and humanity. There's a phenomenal book out called Compassionomics. Their new book is called The Wonder Drug. And basically, the, the writer, the author of it, remembers that when his child was stillborn after nine months, um, he desperately needed compassion. And so, the facts, I think, I hope, is behind us. And if it's not, you're probably in the wrong place at the wrong time. You don't get a text, you don't get a fax you have a relationship, a coach called a physician, and they have tools like social workers or psychologists or mental health people to bring in. And if that's not the level of compassion that you're getting from your physician or from your clinical office, I think you need to look for that place because therapeutically,
1: you need compassion. Well, speaking of compassion and compassion way, I have to tell you, we are flat out of time. I want to thank all of you Dr. Cheryl Winchell, thank you for sharing your story. Dr. Jamie Heisman, thank you. And to our co-host, Tamika Perry, thank you. I'm Ron Aaron. We appreciate you joining us on Two Docs in a Pod.
0: Executive producers for Two Docs in a Pod are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Isaac Wilker. And associate producers are Natalie Ibarra and Maurice Hudson. Thank you for listening to Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And be sure and tune in next week for another edition of Two Docs in a Pod with Dr. Tamika Perry and Ron Aaron.